to the Shoot Truth Podcast. My name is Will. I am your host. Today's date, November 16th, year of our Lord 2021. This is going to be episode 115. It's going to be called Remember the Past, Move On to the Future. Hope that you're all doing well, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I have a lot of stuff today, so I don't really have much of a preface, but the only thing I will tell you is that uh, it looks like a lot of people enjoy the occult um, episode that I did about Travis Scott and Astral World and a concert and things like that. I actually have, actually, on Saturday night, I actually sat at my computer and uh, typed up all the stuff that I needed for another uh, occult episode. So I have it typed up. So I took about two and a half to three hours to sit there at my computer and do that. And it is finished. Um, I think I might still not, might need to add something about the Statue of Liberty, but that would be just about it. I'm pretty much finished with that. I was going to do it today, but something told me just to wait. Okay, something told me to hold on. So I don't know when I'm going to uh, put that one out. I, I'm probably going to record it this week, but I don't know when I'm going to uh, put it out. I'll probably record it this coming Saturday because I have uh, this coming Saturday off of work as well. And uh, as I record, it's about 11.30 in the morning, about 11.24 in the morning. So... About 11.30 in the morning on the 16th, and I usually try to get these uh, started at 10 o'clock in the morning, but I actually woke up uh, like three hours late, (laughs) three hours later than I usually do. I usually wake up at 8 in the morning, but I don't know, I was just really tired yesterday. But um, let's go ahead and get into our stuff here. Now, before we get into the news and things like that, I have, you know... I was reading the Bible last night before I go to bed. Because I usually, I usually read it before I go to bed. And I, I came upon something so powerful for me. Um, because the thing is that when we were, ladies and gentlemen, when, when, you, when I, I say you should, you should always be reading your Bible. But I think that when you read, you should be listening to some type of instrumental. Some type of, I don't know, jazz or something like that. Or some type of instrumental that's calm or something like that. Um, because these things affect your brainwaves. And then when you're reading, they help. Um, to help you retain the information. One thing that I recommend you you guys do is that uh, you guys listen to something called Alpha Brainwaves. Alpha, A-L-P-H-A. Alpha Brainwaves. When you are reading or studying something because it helps you retain, retain it and affects your brainwaves and it changes your mental state. Now, this comes from 2 Samuel chapter 12. Right? In this case, this is so powerful to me. Um, because the things that I've, I've recently gotten, like, you know, cause we, we should all be reading our Bible. Like I said, but there's a lot of stuff in the Bible. There's so many books in the Bible that you read through and things like that. And it's like, wow. And then we should just be reading it cover to cover over and over and over and over. Cause you never know what you're going to, um, discover when you move on and you move forward in your life and you get more wisdom and more knowledge. Right. And so the things that I, I read for knowledge, 
Um, and I, I get pleasure from uh, gaining knowledge. And so gaining knowledge gives me pleasure. So I technically read for pleasure. So this comes from Second Samuel, Second Samuel chapter 12. It, it is basically the entire chapter, uh, chapter 12 of Second Samuel. Now, before I start, so the first part of Second Samuel, it is like a lot of these. It this 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 truly describes a lot of like it's 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 like what a lot of people do, okay? Because for context, this comes right after David had that thing with Bathsheba, where he saw Bathsheba bathing on the roof and everything, and then he took her, slept with her, she got pregnant, and then so in order to hide what he had done, David had sent Uriah. Because David was king, David had sent Uriah the Hittite, who was a soldier, to the front lines, and uh, he was. They withdrew, and Uriah was killed. And so, as you can imagine, God was very unhappy about this. And so, David knew that he had sinned. Okay, and so this is when Nathan actually rebuked David. So Nathan starts off telling David a story, right? And David is so unaware he's he's not even self self-aware okay i know a lot of people when they, a lot of christians and everything they talk about a lot of pastors and everything they talk about david is so great david this is i'm not a fan of david i'm not really a david guy i'm more of a solomon guy even though solomon had problems too everyone had problems but i'm more of a solomon guy a moses guy uh, a luke guy but that's just me you know but a lot of people a lot of people a lot of christians put emphasis on david i'm not i'm not high on david okay so nathan starts out rebuking david but the things that nathan tells david a story to show david about himself because the bible is a mirror okay when you read the bible it is a mirror so it starts off like this okay it says the lord sent nathan to david when nathan came to david he said there were two men in a certain town one rich and the other was poor the rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought the poor man raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. The lamb was like, excuse me, the sh yeah, the lamb was like a daughter to the poor man. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come, come to him. Instead, the rich man took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to the rich man. David burned with anger. And that was a story that Nathan told David about the rich man taking from the poor man. And now you have to realize that David was the king and David had so many wives and concubines and things like that. But he decided to take the wife of a lowly soldier who only had one. Now, David, the Bible says, verse five says, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And Nathan replies, in verse 7, Nathan said to David, You are this man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if this had even been too little, 
I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you have despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I am going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you. And he is going to sleep with, with your wives in broad daylight. You did what you did in secret, but I'm going to do this in broad daylight before all of Israel. Okay. So, that is amazing right here. Okay, so what that says to me. David is so, he's not, he's not aware of himself, okay? He, he does things, but he's not self-aware. He's, you know, when after Nathan told him the story, Nathan burned with anger against this man. Well, David, you should be mad at yourself because you took from somebody who had very little, okay? And so, God goes on and says that he's going to, do, they do these things in secret, but then God is going to do what he's going to do in broad daylight. So, when we look at our society and, and the people in the cabal and the people in the deep state and all these people who are controlling the planet right now, they have been taken from us and doing these things in secret and hiding from us. But when God, when God does what he's going to do, it's going to be in broad daylight. Okay. And he's going to do it before the entire world. And the thing is that you have a lot of people, whether they're people, whether they're the people in the cabal or there may be people on the street that you may meet and things like that, who, um, they may be people who claim to be Christians who who vote for people who do abortion and things like that and then you tell them that a certain politician did certain things and they'll say oh my goodness that's horrible and you'll be like but you voted for this person you knew that they were in favor of abortion and the gay marriage and things like that and you still voted for them and and they'll say things like oh my goodness these people are so terrible who would do something like that who would vote for somebody like that you tell them you did you just voted for somebody like that and so a lot of the people who voted for Joe Biden probably were not self-aware of what, what was really going on, okay? Because we know that the left the left generally uses low-information voters. They're on the right as well, but generally the left are the low-information voters because you're usually um, young young kids or people who haven't grown up mentally or emotionally. And they just it, it's easy to trick them with emotions and things like that. You just manip manipulate their emotions. Like Hitler would say, Hitler would agree with me that you manipulate somebody's emotions to get them to vote for uh, pathetic things. All right, so in verse 13, Nathan, uh, David was like, you know, verse 13 and 14, Nathan, uh, David's just acknowledging that he had sinned and everything like that. And then uh, Nathan just says, you're not going to die, but you're, but by doing what you did, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord uh, and the son born to you by Bathsheba is going to die. It says, after Nathan, verse 15 says, after Nathan had gone home, the Lord stuck, struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David and, and the child became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of his household, of David's household, stood beside him to excuse me, stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused and he would not eat any food with him. David would not eat any food with him. Verse 18, on the, 17th, on the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke, when we spoke to him. How can we tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. 
Verse 19, David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead? David asked. Yes, they replied. He is dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, put on lotions and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house and at his and at his request they served him food and he ate. David's attendants asked him, why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. David answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious enough to me. He may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will never return to me. Then David comforted his wife and... Bathsheba and he went to her and made love to her okay so verse 23 is the part where he's talked about why should I the child but why should I go on fasting can I bring him back again I will go to him but he will not return me okay so this when I was reading this last night this totally occurred to me it's like it's this verse was this 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 passage was telling me the past is dead move on move on from the past you can never go back because let's take a look Okay, so I'm, I'm going to break it down for you like this. Okay, so verse 15, after Nathan had gone home, the Lord stuck, struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David and he became ill. Okay, so there's a situation, maybe there's a situation in your life or somebody in your life that should not be in your life or a situation that should not be in your life. And God was started to show you the bad parts of it. Verse 16 says, David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in the sackcloth on the ground. So, verse 16, you maybe you have been praying to God for this, and you want this so bad. You think you want this so bad. And you're just weeping and saying, God, please let me have this. I, I just can't see that I could have anything else. Verse 17 says, the elders of his household stood behind, beside him, uh, got to get him up from the ground, but he refused and he would not eat any food with him. So you're probably so desperate in this situation that people are trying to speak the truth to you. People are trying to speak sense into you, but you just would not have it because there's this situation or this person that you want in your life, this relationship or something that you want in your life. That's just not good for you, but you want it. You're just, you're just adamant about having it. Verse 18 on the seventh day, the child died. David's attendees, excuse me, David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead for they thought he might do something desperate. Uh, yeah, how can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do something desperate. So, a couple of days later, or a couple of weeks later, maybe a couple of months later, that relationship that you have with that person in this situation, it was gone. It, 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 it was gone. You were weeping about it because you wanted it so bad. You thought maybe God will allow me to have this. And it died. That relationship that you had with that person died. Okay, it's gone. It's dead. It's gone. And so verse 19 says, David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized that the child was dead. He asked, is the child dead? Yes, they asked. So, um, yes, they replied. So verse 20, then David got up from the ground after he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord, house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request, they, they served him food, and he ate. 
His attendants asked him, "Why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fastened and wept, but now the child now the child is dead, you get up and eat." David answered, "While the child was alive, I fastened and wept. I thought, who knows, maybe the Lord may be gracious to me, let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I, can I bring him back? Will I go? I will go to him, but he will not return to me." So, verse twenty there. It's the situation died. The situation that you're in died. Maybe the relationship died. The person's you know the person left. You have to move on. And people are going to ask, how did you move on so quickly? Like, like, like David's attendants asked him. And so, David answered, while the child was alive, I fastened a web. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. So you may be thinking, you, honestly, ladies and gentlemen, in your, in, your, in your thoughts, you may be thinking, I was sad when... I thought I could have this situation when it was possible, when it was a possibility where this this thing could happen. But now that I know that it's never coming back, I, I, I have to move on. Okay. So verse 23 says, But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. So David is pretty much saying, I can't bring him back to dead. I can't bring him back from the dead. I will be dead. I will go to him, meaning I will be dead one day. Uh, but he will not return to me, meaning he will not come back from uh, the dead. He will not come back to life, meaning reincarnation is not a thing. That, but that's a story for a different day. And so, ladies and gentlemen, as you have finally realized in our lives, as we have finally realized that this situation is never is never coming back, we are we are realizing it is dead. I shouldn't creep. I sh I shouldn't keep crying out to God about it because the situation is dead. It's gone. I can't bring this person back. Or I can't bring this situation back. I can try to go to this person and bring them back into my life or revamp the situation, relight the fire. But that person's not going to want to relight the fire with me. And so that's what I got from this here. So you have to move past the past. Okay, because it's not coming back. Move into something new with God and uh, keep going. All right, so I hope I explained that well. Do you hope you got it? You know, I um, hope I did a good job on that. But here, let's move on. So we're going to talk about. Okay, so I uh, I work for the city of Sacramento. You know, I I currently do right now, and so you know we get emails in our city emails. If you ever been a government employee, you get emails about the government and your your government that you work for that body, whether it's the state, you get emails about the state. Uh, the federal government emails about the federal government. So if you're a government employee, which one out of every three people in Sacramento who work are, so 33% of the working population in Sacramento is government, government employees, you have seen these emails here. And so I get a lot of stuff about Sacramento. And you know the mayor of Sacramento, his name is Daryl Steinberg, but I call him Ronald McDonald because he is a, a, a ridiculous clown. He doesn't know what he's doing, right? And so I got an email uh, into my city email. And one of these emails, it's about a couple things that are going on here. It, these are all pathetic. These are all pathetic, okay? So, in the first thing here, it says, The Sacramento mayor proposes the city to clear homeless camps where the camps are, are uh, campers are offered two types of shelter. So, this comes from the Sacramento Bee. And so, it says, The city of Sacramento could start clearing more homeless camps beginning in 2023, as long as campers have been offered two different types of shelter or housing. So 2023, so that means, ladies and gentlemen, another year of homeless encampments are going to be built up and things like that. And it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. Okay, it, it's already pretty bad now. Now, Daryl Steinberg, 
the mayor of Sacramento, he says, quote, we must both be humane and help thousands of additional people who aren't getting help and at the same time have a safer, cleaner city. They are, the two are not opposites. They should go together, unquote. Well, you have a safer, cleaner city if you don't have the homeless problem at all. Okay. Now, the proposed the article goes on and says the proposed ordinance, which the city council was scheduled to discuss on Tuesday, is called, quote, a right to housing with a parallel obligation to accept it, unquote. So that means exactly what you think it is. They have they, they're going to be moved anyway. So it says if the council adopts adopts it, the city would be required to would, would be required to create enough shelter and housing for the unhoused. Now they say unhoused because at, you know in the, they've they've tried to tell us you have to say unhoused, don't say homeless. I tell them I'm I'm going to say wherever I want. So uh, like what are you going to do? Uh, bring it. Now um, so pretty much those those things are going to come out of our tax dollars to create these buildings. It's going to be our tax dollars that, that do that because it's the government creating something. The government doesn't have money, so the government's going to take our tax dollars in order to do that. If you live in Sacramento, now it says. In addition, camps will be cleared in areas where spaces exist at two locations. And these locations could be either housing, hotel rooms, shelters, trailers, tiny home villages, or safe ground tent encampments. And so, it says, for example, if someone is camping um, under the WX Freeway, which is near Broadway, for those of you who don't know Sacramento well, and, it, and if this person's offered a spot in the nearby WX shelter or at, or at the WX safe ground, which the government would build off of our tax dollars, and they decline to go there, they would be moved even if they're on public property. Property. And so Steinberg says, quote, not everyone wants a congregate shelter and not everyone wants the isolation of a hotel room. So different options are key, unquote. And so they're gonna be moving this, they're gonna be forcefully moving these people anyway. Um so they're either they're gonna sit on the street. So ladies and gentlemen, so if you live in Sacramento, either these homeless are gonna sit on the street and make our neighborhoods unsafe and dirty and things like that either that's going to happen or we're going to pay for them to live in shelters and things like that so uh pick your poison really but my problem here is that well one of my problems among many is that they're pretty much encouraging they're encouraging they're encouraging the homeless problem they're encouraging it and helping it out they're making it worse they're prop they're uh they're propagating it really so I have another article here from Fox 40. It says Sacramento City Council is going to review Mayor Steinberg's homeless plan. So it says the city council is expected on Tuesday, which is today, to reveal a proposal that the mayor says is going to provide shelter to people living on the street. It says it's an 84-page ordinance. It's set to go before council at 5 p.m. today. It says that the proposed plan says that every unhoused person in the city has a right to housing. Get it. Has a right to housing and an obligation to accept shelter should be the city should be the city have enough shelter beds. So that means that so it says they have a right to shelter. They have a right to this, right to that, right to that's what that's what the socialists do in order to take your tax dollars, like a right to health care. So they're saying they have a right to housing. That means the government's pretty much saying we have a right to take your tax dollars. Okay? It says if approved the ordinance will require the city to create enough shelter and housing for the unhoused population. But the unhoused population is going to get worse. The homeless population is just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. What happens when there's 100,000 people? What happens when there's a third of the population in Sacramento is is homeless? What are we going to have to keep paying for that? That's why people are moving out of places like Sacramento. That's why they're living in Rockland and Roseville and Elk Grove, okay? Sacramento is becoming the dump in the center, okay? It's like you all, it's like every, it's like if you have a bonfire 
and everyone's sitting around a bonfire, and everyone's sitting around in the chairs is, is Elk Grove, Rockland, Roseville, you know, that's, that's Woodland, West Sacramento. Everyone's sitting around in a bonfire. And Sacramento is just the fire in the middle that you throw your trash into to burn it up. Okay, yo, we don't want your trash here. Just, just go to Sacramento. You don't, we don't, we don't want, we don't want our neighborhoods to be dirty. Just go to Sacramento. They'll, they'll feed you over there and things like that, and, and they'll pay for you to live somewhere. It says once that happens, the city will offer unhoused people two options for shelter, and we know that. Okay, it says the proposal says the city of Sacramento must have twenty new sites for shelters, tiny homes, and safe ground tent encampments by January of twenty twenty three. How ridiculous. It says, how will this be all, how will all this be enforced? Which is the next good question. How is this going to be enforced? It says, according to proposal, police would not be involved in the process. Okay, way to go. Because guess what? These homeless people, they attack people. They stab people with needles. And they do all these other things. And they're verbally abusive. And you don't have the police there? <laughs> these people are ridiculous. It says, inside the Sacramento Department of Community Response. It says, excuse me, instead. The Sacramento Department of Community Response will respond. And those who refuse shelter won't face criminal or civil penalties. You have an ordinance here with no teeth. What if they all get together and start attacking these people? These people are not going to want to do this job. It says Tuesday's, Tuesday's review is, be, is the beginning of what is expected to be a long process as the council is only set to review the ordinance. No official vote is expected at this time. If approved, the proposal would not take effect until 2023. And so the mayor of Sacramento says that the uh, he says it's, he says it's the first in the nation and he proposes what is called the right to housing initiative, meaning the right to take our tax dollars initiative. And another article says that uh, they're going to Sacramento could obligate homeless residents to accept shelter under the mayor's right to housing ordinance. So they're going to try to force these people to do something without the power of police has has that ever worked? I, I don't know. These people, because these, look, 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 look. These homeless people, they don't pay taxes. They, you, they don't have, they, they don't have properties. So what, what can you do? You don't have the police. What can you do? How are you going to move on without the police? Okay. They're going to use the police. I'm, I'm telling you, they are. Those, they, they, they got those police doing the, doing the, doing the garbage jobs. I feel sorry for them. All right. So the last thing I'm going to talk about with Sacramento is how, we're seeing from Sacramento.NewsReview.com that Sacramento is becoming a major destination for refugees escaping the chaos of Afghanistan. And of course, on this website, they use pictures of children and things like that. When, probably going to be the opposite of that. Because we know that the Biden administration has not vetted the people who have come into the United States. It could be anybody. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not saying that these people are terrorists. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that these people have not been vetted. So we don't know who they are. They have been flown into the country from a country that is now run by terrorists. And we have not vetted the people who have come from that country. So, I would just say, if you can get a CCW or something, you might need it. Okay? You might need it. Because we're, we're, we're looking at the, it's, it's probably going to be another 9-11, okay? Um, hopefully not. Hopefully I'm wrong. But it could it could happen. It could happen anywhere because we've been putting these people all around the country without without vetting who they are. That's the problem. We're not vetting who they are. It's not that they're, it's not that it's them. It's that we're not vetting who they are. We're not checking their criminal history and things like that. All right. So I know we're about twenty seven minutes in, but I want to get I want to get to the economy now. So we're gonna start off with this. So it comes from the GatewayPundit.com. Senator Chuck Schumer, Charles Schumer of New York. 
He calls on Joe Biden to release the oil reserves and then kill off U.S. oil companies. He, well, of course, he doesn't say to kill off U.S. oil companies. But that's, that's what's going to happen. So he's a Senate Majority Leader, and he called on Biden to make use of the emergency petroleum reserves in an effort to lower gas prices ahead of the holiday season. Now, there are analysts who have said that making use of reserves would only provide a short-term solution and it wouldn't increase the country's production capabilities. Schumer then added that once the oil reserves were released, it was time to end oil production in the United States. To hell with him, he says. All right, so Janet Yellen. Janet Yellen has officially become a clown. Uh, I, I didn't think she was stupid. I never thought she was stupid until now. Well, she knows what she's doing. Well, we're seeing from the Daily Mail that Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, she admits that Biden's pandemic programs have left the United States workforce quite depressed because people are, quote, happy with their finances, unquote, and afraid of COVID. So she said that people in front-facing jobs were quitting because of the fears of the pandemic, despite vaccinations rising and infections increasing. Now, a record 4.4 million Americans quit their jobs in September, new data, new data revealed on Friday. Now, the Treasury Secretary said it was because the U.S. workers feel confident right now. They feel confident right now. It's, it's, she didn't say. She, she left out the part where people are being forced to take a, a, a vaccine that they don't want to take. She left that part out. All right, so moving on. So gas prices in California. My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. I'm pretty sure you you pretty much uh, know what's going on so there's a place called gorda g-o-r-d-a gorda california gas is like eight dollars a gallon over there okay so george papadopoulos put out on twitter he says gas has hit eight dollars a gallon in parts of california this is the biden and newsom dystopia we are living in so yes uh for the regular unleaded it's like 759 for the unleaded plus it's eight dollars a gallon for the uh, for the premium oh it's eight dollars and fifty cents that is incredible. It wasn't like this a year ago. It was not like this a year ago. All right. So speaking of these gas prices, so the Daily Caller and showing that Saki, Jen Saki says higher gas prices show the need for green transition. Oh, boom. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, we talked about this. We talked about how they were trying to transition us to green energy. We talked about this a, a long time ago. Here it is. Okay. I'm, I'm telling you, you know. And it's almost like that guy Will on that podcast is right. It's almost like he's right about this stuff. Wow. It's almost like he's right. Wow. Now, the White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said, argued that higher gasoline prices, which critics blame the Biden administration for, she says that they highlight the need for a rapid transition to clean energy. She says, quote, our view that is that the rise in gas prices over the long term makes an even stronger case for doubling down our investment and our focus on clean energy options that we are not relying on the fluctuations and OPEC and their willingness to put more supply and meet the demand in the natural in the market, unquote. She told reporters that on Friday's press briefing of Friday of last week, that is. Now we're seeing from where's this from Breitbart.com is showing that uh, turkey prices are up 23% as Thanksgiving approaches. So we're seeing it because um, we know that they want to bring America down to the level of all the other countries in the world. It's a managed decline in the United States. That's why they're running up our uh, our oil industry, our gas prices, so that people. I'm saying this is unsustainable. We can't do this anymore. So yes, Trump even said gas prices are going to go up and up and up and up. He said they they'll probably be as high as ten dollars. They'll be as high as ten dollars a gallon. That's what he said. He said they'll they'll be up to ten dollars a gallon. So get ready for it. I mean, gas is already about five dollars a gallon now. Um, I mean, if you, this is the thing, you have to let people experience this stuff. I mean, 
People are seeing it now. I'm telling people it wasn't like this a year ago. It wasn't like this a year. That's all you had to tell people. It wasn't like this a year ago. The gas wasn't like this a year ago. Okay, the gas has gone up like 400 percent in California. Oh my goodness, it's crazy. I'm paying like 65 dollars for a tank of gas in a Honda. Okay, it's ridiculous. So we're seeing from the Gateway Pundit that Bloomberg, Bloomberg just 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 ran a bunch of mess. They just defecated this article out. It's an op-ed. It's an opinion piece. Now they ran it this week, and it was covering the it was running cover for the corrupt Biden administration. Okay, and the supply chain crisis. Okay, they say the article says, "quote Suddenly, Americans can't spend like they used to. Store shelves are emptying, and it can take months to find a car, refrigerator, or sofa." Unquote. He said, "They say, quote If this continues, we may need to go and live more like Europeans." That actually might not be a bad thing, unquote. But we don't want to live like Europeans. Did you know that the lower class of our society in terms of income, the people who the, the, the people who are lower class in terms of income, if they went to Europe, that they'd be middle class, like me or you. They'd be middle class, okay? They'd be making their 50 or 60K generally. And, you know, like like people here, like middle class here in America, that's what they'd be in Europe if, if, if our poor people went to Europe. So in order to combat the supply chain crisis, the Biden administration is doing the absolute counterproductive and counterintuitive thing. And what they're doing is they're they're responding to the supply chain crisis by reducing the workforce by imposing unconstitutional vaccine mandates, okay? Because Congress did not pass a law. Okay, so the Biden administration... Has they've also resorted to blaming Americans for the supply chain crisis? Okay, it's like you're not getting vaccinated, so we're gonna die because you're not getting vaccinated, and the supply chains are short because you're not getting vaccinated. When it's it's all it's all planned. Okay, this is all fabricated. Okay, so pretty much the Biden administration is telling people lower your expectations and get used to the new normal. Okay, this is Obama's message was the same exact thing. That's how you notice the gas prices were super high in the Obama Obama administration as well. You know, certain things were going on, same thing. And we know Obama's in the basement running this country anyway because he even said that he would do that too. I think it was it was an article, it was a interview in December of 2016 if you want to go ahead and look that up on YouTube or something like that. Okay, so Janet Yellen, shoulder butt, not not really, but <laughs> I say that because she said that uh, on Face the Nation, she said Trump, the Trump's tariffs were responsible for the inflation. Okay, this tells me that this lady is fiscal, fiscally uh, inept and should not be the Secretary of the Treasury, because the tariffs that we are placing on this is this is this is protectionism on trade here, and protection, in my opinion, protectionism on trade is necessary because you have people like China who employ unfair business practices and unfair trade practices, right? And so tariffs are a form form of protectionism on trade. And we did these tariffs. And so what would happen is if China wanted to import our stuff, China would have to pay a tax to import it. And what it was doing was that it was sending hundreds of millions of dollars back into our treasury, giving us money. Okay. And so that wouldn't, that wouldn't increase inflation. It would increase, no, it wouldn't increase inflation. What increases inflation is losing money to China and still printing more money, as we're we're currently losing money to China now, okay? Because we're trying to import things, and China is tariffing us for it, and our supply chain's backed up. The ships can't even get in after we even paid for them to import, and we're still printing more money. Wonderful, right? Wonderful. Bloomberg on Twitter says, 
The pandemic revealed vulnerabilities of this hyper-efficient global market. Ports are backed up, causing global shortages. For the first time in many Americans' lives, there are reasons to believe the age of overabundance is over. Now, this is how the globalists plan on getting people to accept the reality of owning nothing and liking it. Okay, The way they see it, you and yours have always enjoyed abundance, but it's time for it to be over, Okay, and according to them. All right, get this. This is important. So we, the media, they put this out on Telegram. That says, do you realize that if you read the Biden tax plan and go to pages in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and you will find that he has a plan to tax you on your house at 3% of its value, uh, excuse me, at 3% of your value, this is above and beyond your property taxes that you pay now. Plus, families making 50K or more, your taxes will go up by 7800 over a 10-year period, plus the loss of $750 a year from the repealing of the Trump middle-class tax cuts. Now, I'm saying this guy also wants, your, wants to tax your 401k IRAs. Do people realize that until 1983, you paid no taxes on Social Security, but Biden put up the bill and sponsored it to tax Social Security at 50% and then raise it to 80%? A man of the people for sure. Is this what you want to happen? Really? Nobody is reading his plan. Educate yourselves. This is not a personality contest. The devil's always in the details. So, if you own a home, prepare to pay about an extra $3,000 per every $100,000 that your home is worth to help the government afford their atrocity list. Okay? Those travesties that they're pushing through. If your home is worth 300 k I want you to prepare yourself to cut an annual check to the IRS for $9,000, okay? Oh, and they'll be uh, reducing the value of the dollars that you pay via inflation, so the cost is actually going to be a lot higher. Let's go Brandon. And the government is going to run out of money 21 days from this past Friday. So uh, they're probably going to raise the debt ceiling again, print more money, and your dollar is going to be worth even less. Now, President Trump put out a statement. He said, Mitch McConnell has stated that he will go, he will not go to the signing of the non-infrastructure bill, uh, or as it's sometimes recalled, the elect Democrats in 2022-2024 act. It gives Biden and the Democrats a victory just as they were falling off of the cliff. Based on the fact that the old crow convinced many Republicans senators to vote for the bill, greatly jeopardizing their chance of winning re-election, and, and that he led the way, he should go to the signing and put up with the scorn from the great Republican patriots that are already lambasting him. Our country is being destroyed while Mitch McConnell gives lifelines to those who are destroying it. All right, so we knew that Joe Biden had about four about four um four spots on the Federal Reserve like there were like you know financial positions that he had to uh, appoint people for. And so Biden's Marxist currency nominee called Saul Omarova, the one who actually graduated from a, a, a Moscow University, she said that all private bank accounts should be taken over and controlled by the Federal Reserve. Okay, so Saul Omarova is the most radical and extreme nominee ever pushed forward by a United States president. Well, it is really hard to escape something like this because. You have FDIC insured banks and NCUA insured banks. So I talk about this a lot. I tell people this. So, okay. So FDIC is the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. So 
it's one of two. It's one of the two agencies that provide de- deposit insurance to uh, deposit insurance to depositors in American depository institutions, meaning pretty much banks. And the other one is the National Credit Union Administration (NCUA), and the NCUA regulates and insures credit unions like Golden One, places like that. Now, the FDIC is a U.S. government corporation providing deposit insurance to depositors in the American commercial banks and saving banks like Chase, JP Morgan, uh, JP Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, things like that. So the FDIC was created by the 1933 Banking Act enacted during the Great Depression to restore trust in the American banking system. Okay. And I can read about the NCUA, but I'll, I don't think you really want to hear about that right now. I don't, I don't think it's important right now. All right, so the last thing from the financial part I'm going to talk about is Pete Buttigieg. Okay, you know, Pete Buttigieg, who is he? Uh, the, the Secretary of the Department of Transportation, so Secretary of the DOT. He says that the infrastructure bill will address racist highway design that prevents black and brown kids from being bused to the beach. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Okay, um, I, I think either... Shout out to either my mom or Tommy that sent me this. So I'm going to go ahead and play that YouTube clip. It's about a minute and a half long. Secretary, Secretary Mayor Pete, um, could you give us um, the breakdown of the implementation of Justice 40 with the infrastructure package that's now passed and signed into law? And also, um, can you give us the construct of how you will deconstruct the racism that was built into the roadways that you talked to the Rio earlier when you broke that information with us. Can you talk to us about how that could be deconstructed? For sure, yeah. So the principle of Justice 40 is that at least 40% of the clean investments in this bill will go to benefit the communities that are overburned, overburdened and, and underserved. So part one of that is defining those those investments that are eligible, and that's a lot of it, and we're working to map out kind of program by program, mode by mode, uh, what would qualify. For example, if we're uh, buying clean buses, right, how do we make sure in terms of where those buses go, but also looking at the business opportunity, the jobs that are going to be created, the businesses that, that uh, will have a chance to compete uh, for, for the business opportunities it creates. That, too, I think is a very important element of equity here that's in the spirit of Justice 40. And again, we have a lot of guidance and oversight from the White House since that's an administration-wide initiative. But we know that we've got to build our own internal uh, kind of ways of, of uh, aligning and defining that inside the administration. As to where we target those, those dollars, you know, I, I'm still surprised that some people were surprised when I pointed to the fact that uh, if a highway was built for the purpose of di- dividing a white and a black neighborhood, or if an underpass was constructed such that a bus carrying mostly black and Puerto Rican kids uh, to a beach, or it would have been, uh, in New York was, was designed uh, too low for it to pass by, that that obviously reflects racism that went into those design choices. Um, I don't think we have anything to lose by confronting that simple reality. And I think we have everything to gain by acknowledging it and then dealing with it, which is why the reconnecting communities, that billion dollars, is something we want to get to work right away uh, uh, putting to work. But that's such a heavy lift. I mean, you have to reconstruct (coughs) communities that this happened to. As you said, some of these beltways and and interstates and roadways were built before the Civil Rights Act, before the Voting Rights Act, and were made meant to be racist. But how do you go about redefining and replanning these roadways and communities that are already settled in yeah. um, since then. So 
what's interesting is it's going to vary by community, and we have to listen to the community. Sometimes it really is the case that an overpass went in a certain way that is so harmful that it's got to come down or maybe be put underground. Other times, maybe it's not that way. Maybe the really important thing is to connect across it, to add rather than subtract. And that's where we don't want to impose a one-size-fits-all answer uh, from here. But when we were out in Syracuse, for example, looking at I-81, we saw the local vision. Uh, for how they want to get past those divisions. And those local ideas are going to be taken very seriously as we try to meet the spirit of this law. Welcome to America, where everything is racist and common sense does not matter. And even the road itself that you drive upon is racist. Oh, you know what? I know why it's racist. Because think about it, think about it, think about it. The road is it's racist. It's a racist concept because the road and the streets and the freeways, it is... The asphalt and the gravel is black, and there are there are white people who walk on it and drive on it, meaning that they're driving and walking upon the backs of slaves, even though no one, even your great grandma, your your grandmother wasn't even a slave. Your great grandmother probably wasn't even a slave. But the thing is that because the roads are black, we are driving and walking upon the backs of black people. Yeah, that was uh, that was Pete Buttigieg, and Pete Buttigieg also said a couple days ago that the surest way to solve the supply chain issue is vaccination. Unbelievable. All right, so we're gonna move on. So Cash Patel, who was the senior, uh, excuse me, the senior counsel for the House Intelligence Committee under former GOP Chairman and Representative Devin Nunes, he says that Special Counsel John Durham should charge White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan for lying to Congress. Do you think that Durham's going to indict others that are involved with the with the Russia Gate? Now, Jake Sullivan, he says, Cash Patel says, Jake Sullivan, I think, has come has the same exact problem. He testified under oath to Congress that he had no idea that the Perkins Coie lawyer Michael Sussman was saying, yet uh, excuse me, what what he was saying. Yet Durham, the Durham indictment shows communications between Jake Sullivan, the current the current national security advisor and michael sussman about the russia gate hoax so either he lied to congress or he's lying in the indictment unquote so he could be next john durham could go after him next i i, I wouldn't rule that one out all right moving on so adam schiff uh the guy that trump calls shifty schiff he actually met with a communist chinese communist party official that was previously responsible for spearheading the regime's foreign influence operations to, on a visit to Washington, D.C. that was sponsored by the China-United States Exchange Foundation. So, if you don't know, uh, Adam Schiff was a key promoter of the Trump-Russia collusion hoax and a leading member of the unconstitutional January 6th committee. Schiff went, met with officials from the documented Chinese Communist Party-linked foreign intelligence influence group in October of 2009. A, lot, a long time before the Trump administration, but He's had ties to them for a long time. He had realized that the Chinese are patient. The Chinese are all about soft power. And uh, they, they slow roll, but they'll get you eventually. And that's what the Chinese do. So, Ghislaine Maxwell, her trial. Now, Ghislaine Max, the juror selection for Ghislaine Maxwell is starting. Hope they pick me out of 340 million people. I wish they would pick me. <laughs> That'd be great. But I don't think I would get to do that. That'd be amazing, though. And so, the opening statements are on November 29th. About two weeks from now. And I want everybody to get their popcorn ready because this will be this will be, this will be great. Okay, so you can see a dark world. It's going to be exposed. The truth isn't for everybody. The truth hurts, but the truth will set you free. Jesus said, Jesus said that the truth will set you free. I say that the truth hurts. And then Jesus says, the truth will set you free. Okay. All right, so we know that 
James O'Keefe of Project Veritas, they have that video footage of, um, excuse me, they have the, not video footage, but they have Joe Biden's daughter's diary, and we know that the FBI is going bonkers over it, okay? And there's pretty much a battle going on about it. And the thing is that the Biden administration said that they, they, they made a commitment to free press. And the thing is that uh, Glenn Greenwald said on Twitter that the First Amendment's guarantee of a free press doesn't apply to a small, cloistered, credentialed, privileged group of licensed, those licensed as journalists. It protects an activity that every citizen has the right to engage in reprisals or engage in without reprisals or punishment. Sorry, I can't talk today. And then he posts a picture of uh, the Bill of Rights. So, yeah, there's that. So, moving on, there's... Alright, so what you're seeing in the Far East is that Russia is pretty much surrounding... Russia is surrounding Ukraine's borders. Okay, so... I have... This is what I've heard from the grapevine, okay? And I have looked a little bit of this stuff up. So I've heard from Grapevine that President Vladimir Putin is part of this alliance that's trying to get rid of the the global cabal and the globalists, okay? Because he's, he's actually been fighting against these people for a long time. And I have recently been introduced to something called the Khazarian Mafia. And it is spelled K-H-A-Z-A-R-I-A-N. Khazarian Mafia. Go ahead and look that up if you have time. I have heard that these people are hellbent on a one-world government, okay? The Khazarian Mafia, and I heard that they reside in Ukraine. And I heard they actually have a, an area called Khazar, that they call Khazar. That's, I guess the Ukraine's part of that as well. So I have heard that the Khazarian Mafia pretty much follows the French Revolution's reign of terror in its worst form, like with Robespierre and the guillotine and things like that. That's what I've heard. And I've heard. And then so I'm hearing that from the grapevine. I'm hearing that Russia, uh, the Russian military, is trying to get rid of these people, the Khazarian Mafia. That's what I have heard. And so far it's looking to be the case here. But I did not know. I'd never, I had never heard about the Khazarian Mafia until yesterday when I was uh, doing my workout. I was listening to somebody. There was somebody I listened to on YouTube and she was talking about it. She was saying that she was she was talking about the Khazarian Mafia and things like that. So one of the chiefs of NATO, the North Atlantic, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, uh, said on Monday that the military alliance is closely monitoring large concentrations of Russian forces close to Ukraine's borders and is urging Moscow to be transparent and prevent escalation in a bid to reduce tensions. On Twitter, Jennifer Jacobs, she says uh, that scoop. The U.S. is looking at sanctions if Russia advances against Ukraine. Sources are telling Alberto Nardelli and Sami Ardini and me. The United States last spring considered similar similar possible countermeasures to the ones now under discussion, but they were not implemented. Huh. I wonder why Trump would not implement these if Trump is trying to get rid of the global cabal as well. Obviously, that was satire. We know why. So Richard Grinnell does not believe the United States is currently going to put a sanction on on Russia if they do what they're going to do in Ukraine. Richard Grinnell says they gave Russia a pipeline. Everything else is theater.
And in terms of that pipeline, we know that Russia is over there providing natural gas and things like that. And so Trump made the United States the national, the largest producer of natural gas in the world. And so the thing is that the thing, the way foreign relations work is that you have to pretty much give some countries money or protection or some type of uh, resource in order to keep them on your side. And so what was happening is that we were we were exporting all of our natural gas to Ukraine and Germany. And things that Ukraine and Germany are both very very close to Russia in proximity, very very close. And the United States was under Trump. We were exporting our natural gas and stuff to them, our, our natural, you know. And so Russia, I mean, not Russia, but the United States under Joe Biden has pretty much lifted the sanctions on a controversial pipeline in a bid to mend the relations with Russia and Germany. So Russia is pretty much over there producing natural gas, natural gas, excuse me, and the United States uh, allow that to happen. And so now Russia will be able to influence Ukraine and Germany even more. What does that sound like? Well, that sounds like the Cold War when Russia was kind of getting satellite nations and you know, it's kind of I don't know, it's, it just it just seems familiar to me. I don't I don't know. It just this is me. All right, so let's move on. I'd say even if you live alone, I would wear a mask in the house, especially in the shower, because frankly, droplets can make the way through the drain and come up through somebody else's toilet, infecting them with COVID through the anus. Uh, ballpark in two to five to 20 years, we can start thinking about considering the idea of pondering the thought of conceptualizing the possibility of maybe perhaps reopening, but probably not. I would avoid having any fun whatsoever in the near to far future. Thanks for watching that. Make sure you subscribe, but only if you have nine masks on, otherwise, you're putting everybody on YouTube at risk. Hit the notification bell, then rinse off, and then just stay in your basement. Be safe. Now, that clip was from a gentleman I had found on Reddit, and I was linked to his YouTube. And the name of this gentleman is Tyler Fisher on YouTube. T-Y-L-E-R. F-I-S, excuse me, F-I-S-C-H-E-R. Tyler Fisher, the guy is hilarious. He does all types of that stuff. I think I'll probably play a little bit more before I get out of here because I don't know I got about probably about like uh, I got about 10 minutes left here. But uh, yeah, we're moving on to your favorite subject ever. It's COVID-19. So the prime minister of the UK, Boris Johnson, he says, quote, getting three jabs, getting your booster will become an important fact. We will have no we will have to adjust our concept of what constitutes a full vaccination, unquote. And so Jamie Jenkins quotes this on Twitter. He says, this will take 35 million people with two doses of a vaccine back to unvaccinated if this happens. This will mean over 34, people, 34 million people will no longer be fully vaccinated. Millions of double vaccinated had COVID and have significant immunity. Well, what do you know? Bloomberg According to the conservativetreehouse.com, Bloomberg is reporting that the number of booster shots needed to be defined as vaccinated is actually unknown. Well, there you go. Okay, so according to political engineers who are tasked with pushing the COVID-19 narratives, the bureaucrats who you know determine U.S. health policy have not yet decided how many booster shots would be needed to keep a person's vaccinated status uh, as compliant. Okay, so uh, these people are clowns here.
And to quote right from Bloomberg's official Twitter account, they say, quote, it may turn out that the term booster is a bit of a misnomer and that and that the correct number of shots for maximum efficacy isn't yet known. Isn't that wonderful? And we're also seeing fully vaccinated athletes and things like that. Whether well, some of them are fully vaccinated, some of them are not. A lot of these athletes are just dropping dead, just in the middle. Just you can just look it up. A lot of these athletes are just collapsing and, and getting myocarditis and things like that. And that's not normal for people for a 24 year old hockey player. These things aren't normal. These people are getting seizures and just dropping dead. Steve Kirsch on Twitter he put out. He says is Kirsch is spelled K I R S C H. Steve Kirsch. Now, he says, athletes are dropping at a rate that is 60 times the normal in 2021. It's all happening in plain sight. It isn't COVID. They are all screened. So if it isn't the vaccine, what is causing these events? Unquote. Taiwan is suspending the second round of of Pfizer COVID vaccines for children due to the amount of heart problems that are going on. So they announced on Wednesday, last Wednesday, they're suspending the second dose to like teens due to the risk of myocarditis and pericarditis. So Taiwan officials made a decision examining after examining the US data where teens are still encouraged to take the shot. And I think that the entire National Guard of Oklahoma have has refused to take the vaccine. Beautiful. The entire and the federal government is going to try to get involved because they are federal employees. But the entire National Guard of Oklahoma has refused to take the vaccine. What are you going to do? Are you, are you, are you, are you going to fire all the National Guardsmen of, of Oklahoma? I, I, I wish they would try. I wish they would try. It, it wouldn't happen. Wouldn't happen. And so what you're, what I think is going to start to snowball is that we have one part of the military refusing the vaccines, which is the Oklahoma National Guard. Then other National Guardsmen in other states are going to start to refuse. And you can't fire them all. And then you're going to have marines and the navy and all of a sudden they're going to push the military too far and what do you think the military will do do you think the military might step in and get rid of a corrupt regime that is pushing an unconstitutional mandate upon them and when a law hasn't been passed by congress and you have the government pushing laws upon the military what do you think the military will respond with it's just a thought. It's just something I want you to think about. So the fact the Pfizer vaccine in linked is linked to roughly seventy five percent of the myocarditis uh, cases that were reported. These are just reported, just reported cases. Now we the media put out on Telegram. They say if they really care about your health, why aren't cancer treatments free? Cancer annually kills two times as many as many people as COVID did. Because it's not about health, it's about control. In 1933, the Nazis rolled out the Aryan passport, which became required for work and to participate in most things in society. Nazis were socialists who censored all opposing speech and used their brown shirts to intimidate any citizens speaking out against them, while Goebbels used the methods mapped out by Bernays' 1928 book called Propaganda to demonize and blame all their problems on the evil Jewish people. In 2021, the government rolled out the vaccine passport, which became required for work and to participate in most things in society. Democrats are socialists who censor all opposing speech and use Antifa to intimidate any citizens speaking out against them, while the mainstream media uses the methods mapped out in Bernays' book, 1928, Bernays' 1928 book, Propaganda, to demonize and blame all their problems on the evil white man. 
I would just like to tweak that statement because that comes from uh, We the Media on Telegram. I just like to tweak that to say the government, not just the Democrats, but the government in general. Okay, just the government because the Republican Party, they're they're part of it too. Okay, we can't forget that. So pretty much the vaccine mandate or the vaccine the vaccine passports that we see today are the equivalent of the Nazi Germany Aryan certificates. Okay. So moving on. So MSN.com says that a California sanctuary city declares itself a constitutional republic to fight COVID-19, COVID uh, mandates. Okay. So a city council in California overwhelmingly voted to declare the city a quote, constitutional republic city to protect our their citizens rights as much as they can in light of federal and state mandates. They're saying what we are doing is protecting our citizens' rights as much as we can on the local level. In a way, we are acting as a sanctuary city for our citizens and their rights and freedoms protected by the United States and, United States and state constitutions. Gavin Newsom modeled this type of declaration for us when he declared San Francisco a sanctuary city for what he believed to be overreached by the federal government against his citizens. Orville Vice Mayor, excuse me, Orville Vice Mayor Scott Thompson told Fox News Digital. So the city's Oroville. So Thompson requested a measure. He requested the measure. Uh, it passed 6-1 to one on the city council on November 2nd. The, revolu- the resolution is intended to allow the city to opt out of enforcing any executive orders passed by the state of California or by the United States federal government that are overreaching or clearly violate their constitutionally respect, uh, protected rights. They're saying that it is not tied to one specific mandate such as Biden's vaccine mandate on businesses. Um but that it's in response to the large amount of mandates that are affecting every aspect of our lives and our kids' lives, unquote. That comes from MSN.com. So, Julius Rums on Telegram, he says, everything happening in Europe seems to be a precursor to what will happen in the United States in terms of, you know, we're seeing riots, not riots, but protests, big protests and things like that. The Let's Go Brandons, because we're seeing um, New York and L.A., um, even those people, the liberals are out there protesting too. They don't want the vaccine mandate, but they but they voted for the people who put the they but they voted for the people who put the vaccine mandates into effect and that's what i was talking about at the beginning of this episode not being self-aware of what's going on you got to be self-aware it's like you have to realize i made this mistake i did this i bought into the lie and i just went on with something that i thought was right even though it really wasn't i didn't think to consult god and i made a mistake these people are not like that okay so steve bannon uh he got released from custody pending a trial on contempt of congress so he won't be detained before the trial after he failed to comply with the subpoenas from the house committee uh, investigating january 6 that is a crime you have to go to so you have to if, if you get a subpoena you have to go you can get you can get subpoenaed to anywhere in the nation from anywhere in the nation and you have to go and so prosecutors did not seek to detain bannon before the trial under conditions approved by the judge bannon agreed to weekly check-ins to surrender his passport, provide notice of any travel outside the district, and seek court approval for travel outside of the continental United States. Two things, and I will go. The first thing, I don't know. um, I don't know who... Actually, I do. Sorry about that. Okay, so Steve Bannon said two things. I will tell you the first, and I will leave you with the second. First thing he says, I'm telling you right now. This is going to be the misdemeanor from hell for Merrick Garland, Nancy Pelosi, and Joe Biden. Remember, folks, this is after um, Bannon's being ushered in for his trial. Now, he says, Joe Biden ordered Merrick Garland to prosecute me from the White House lawn when he got off of Marine One. I mean, Biden got off of Marine One. And we're going to go on the offense. We're tired of playing defense. We're going to go on the offense on this and stand by. By the way, 
you should understand that Nancy Pelosi is taking on Donald Trump and Steve Bannon. She ought to ask Hillary Clinton how that turned out to them, how that turned out for them. We're going on the offense. So I'm going to leave you with this, ladies and gentlemen. As Steve Bannon said right before he was ushered in, he says, "Stay focused, stay on message. Remember, signal, not noise. This is all noise. That's signal." So, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening. I love you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thinking it'll be alive. I'm thinking that God sent his son. I have to get dressed and go to work now. Thank you so much for listening. I love you and I'll see you tomorrow on Wednesday.